Well, get your Bibles out this morning. And throw it open to Proverbs chapter 14. Yeah, you know, as a, I don't know that this is scientific evidence, but, you know, it seems like that whenever I preach a message that then I personally am always challenged on it. You know, like I, I, I throw you a word out. And so I've been preaching this stupid message about not worrying, you know. And I keep telling my wife, what is that dumb preacher talking about not worrying, you know? And, and uh, so, you know, just to tell you how I get challenged. So I, I, I was out on a, on a hunting lease and no service, no anything great for three days. Can't talk on the phone if I wanted to. Don't have to worry about anything. So then I, you come back into service. And I thought about this. I said, this is kind of like where I need to live with no service, right? But then, you know, you come back into service my first uh, message I got was a funeral I have to do, and so I was like, oh, okay, you know, uh. and then the next phone call I got was, what is going on at the church? Why are there 7,000 police at the church? And I'm like, what? And so I said, well, <laughs> what is going on? And so then I thought, well, wait, I need to stop and pull over, because if they're looking for me, <laughs> I'm nowhere near. And so I thought, surely that can't be right. And then we call, yeah, you know, they're staging a drug bust or something here and can't pull in and use the whole parking lot. And there really were like, you know, I don't know how many, but a bunch, seven or eight police cars and vans and all kinds of stuff here in the church. And so then I get home and said, hey, what did they, did they finally catch you? I said, no, they went after me. We knew you were a drug dealer. So anyway, so that's what kind of stuff that, you know, you're sitting there all chilled out in life. And this is what happens in life. We get chilled out. We're okay. Everything's going okay. And then all of a sudden, what comes up? And then we're like, oh, God. And so what I'm trying to teach you in this message and in this series of what I heard God say for the first this year, that there's going to be some things happen this year that are going to shock you. There's going to be some, some, some events that take place in this earth that are going to just be like a resounding vibration that goes through this whole earth. But I want to tell you something. God says, don't panic. Everybody say, don't panic. Man, don't panic. God's got you. Look at the person beside you and say, don't panic. God's got you. I'm telling you that we just don't even understand. We don't know, but I just know that we've heard this listen to the word of God and hear God and get this down inside of our hearts. And don't, when it happens, don't freak. Don't worry. Don't fret. Just turn to Jesus, and he'll be there, and he'll take you through it. Amen? But we got to get there because we're, we're not real good at it, me included. I mean, my, I got to tell you, all when I found out there was, you know, 7,000 police officers at the church, and my heart skipped, you know, I was like, what happened? And I didn't think, oh, they must have come to give us a donation or something. <laughs> you know, that thought didn't cross my mind, right? You know, the cops are at the church. Something's wrong. And so, anyway... This is the kind of things that can happen suddenly you just don't even know. So we've got to be prepared, and we've got to not worry. So I gave you Proverbs 14, 19, because the very first point of this message was you've got to stop worrying. And Proverbs 14, 19 says, Evil will bow before good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. And I'm telling you, good always triumphs over evil. Good's always going to win. God's going to win. Listen, the book has already been written. It's already been set in stone. God wins. We win. If you're in Jesus Christ, if he's your Lord and Savior, we win. Hello? Now, that doesn't mean you're going to walk through everything without some issues, 
some problems, some situations. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to see the burning fiery furnace. Daniel had to go into the lion's den. Moses had to get across the Red Sea, right? And so there's some issues, but we got to turn ourselves into, instead of being disgruntled, angry, disappointed because there's a problem, we've got to look and say, oh, okay, God, how do you want us to go through this? That's when you're going to find victory. Because Jesus said, take no thought. Don't worry. And that's a hard thing to do because we want everything lined up. But now I just want to review this point just a little bit because this is last week's message, but I want to review this a minute. The Apostle Paul told us in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 how we don't worry. He told us what to do. He laid it out. He said, look, just do this, and then you don't have to worry, which was be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. He says once you've got to get to this relationship that you pray, make your supplications, Talk to God with thanksgivings, and then you know God's heard you. You know God's got the answer. You know God's going to take care of it. Then the peace of God has got you. But we don't do that. See, we pray, and then we worry. That's what we Christians do. We're good at it. We pray, and then worry. Pray, and then worry. And then we worry ourselves into praying harder, and then we start getting into our minds going through because he says, take no thought. And then we get into our minds running as, well, why isn't this happening? Why isn't that going to go in? What if this, what if, this, what if that happened? And then we go through all this stuff in our head, and the next thing you know, we're crazy. Hello? And Paul said, don't do it that way. Pray. Know that you prayed. John said it this way. Have confidence, okay, that your request has been made known unto God. All right? Pray. Know that God heard you. So that, you know, how does that work? Okay? Like one time I got in trouble with a person because they said that I was in, a, in the grocery store and I passed them and I didn't say hello. And so I said, really? I said, I find that hard to believe that if I, you know, what, we were going down the same aisle? Well, no, it wasn't the same aisle. And I said, it was like I, in a basket walking by the main aisle, and you were standing right at the front of the, another aisle, and I passed by you? Well, no. I said, how far down was that, were you down that aisle? Halfway? Well, yeah, maybe a little farther. I said, so you're accusing me of not saying hello when I am in a grocery store focused on where I'm going, and I pushed the cart past, and the same aisle you happened to be on, and you were three-quarters of the way down that aisle, and I didn't say hello. I said, man, I, I, I consider myself not guilty for this. <laughs> hello? But you see how somebody's mind you can get going, and, well, he didn't say anything to me. He didn't see me. He didn't talk to me. He didn't, he didn't text me back. He didn't do this, whatever. And you get all crazy in your head, and then you're worrying. And you're doing all this stuff. You get like that with God. Maybe God didn't hear me. You know, I texted him. Huh? I mean, I did send a text. I love my wife. My wife, she, she, she's a good driver. She doesn't want to drive and text, which she shouldn't do. And so she voice texts. And I get the craziest, strangest messages coming up. And then there has to be this deciphering in it, you know. And, and I'm just like, what is this? Well, see, some of y'all are like that. Well, maybe God didn't get my message right. He can't read it. And so you go back. No, this is what, this shouldn't happen. When you pray, pray. 
and you know that you had your time sitting down talking with God and you know he heard your prayer. Right? And then be thanking him for making it work out. And then you're not supposed to worry. You're not supposed to take up the thought about it anymore. Right? You're supposed to be thinking what Philippians 4, 8, 9 says, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. Hello? So like when I heard all the police were here at the church, my thoughts were, you know, the first thoughts were, oh, my gosh, you know, I hope nothing happened at the church. And, you know, then I thought, gosh, I hope they're not after me. And, you know, I started taking these thoughts. And then I, you know, I started, man, yeah. And then I started laughing to myself because I was running thoughts through my head. Uh, they probably came by to give me an offering. They were probably wanting to come by and, and, and paint the church. They were offering their services as personal bodyguards. You know, I had to start changing my thinking to something good, right? Because I don't know what the bad was. You're guessing at it. Why not just make up something outlandish over here in the good and think about that? Hello? It's up to us. It's our choice. Whether you're going to think negative or you're going to think positive, it's up to you. Okay? So then once you got your thoughts controlled, then the peace of God comes into your heart. And you say, well, God, you got it. Everything's going to be okay. We're just going to look to you, Jesus. You're going to take care of it. You're going to deliver us. Now, I said this last week, and I know y'all didn't want to hear it, because it's God delivers us through the problems, not from the problems. See, we just don't want to have a problem. I mean, don't we? Come on, y'all give me a hand if you just up, raise a little, a little wave like this, if you just would like to live life and never have a problem. Would that not be all of us? Right? And so then when we have a problem... You know, depends on your raising and what kind of church you were raised in. Something goes wrong, well, then they say, well, you must have done something bad. No, because I know some, I know some really saintly people, and they have problems in their life. We live in a fallen world. There's going to be issues. There's going to be problems. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. It's just going to happen, okay, as long as we're living on this earth. So God's going to deliver us through the problem. We've got to remember that. Whenever there's a problem, don't be worked up that there's a problem. Just immediately turn and say, God, how are you going to deliver me? I'm going to see a miracle out of this. Oh, it just makes the devil. It's just like you, like you got his little forked tail and just, just like you just rinsed it, you know. Give him a good old rope burn on his tail when, when you do that. Because then he's like, wow, I can't. I'm not getting anywhere with this. I want them to get upset. I want them to worry. I want them to have ulcers. Right? But near to sitting there saying, oh, God, you're going to deliver me through this. I thank you, Lord. He's like, Ugh. Okay. Now, I want to go to the next point. This is how much I'm skipping over. It's how much I'm, 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 I'm panning up here. Here we go. All right, because I really want to get this into you today. Go to Proverbs 18.21. Okay, so when I was talking to the Lord about this whole situation going on and about don't panic, you know. It's kind of like, you know, when, you're, when, when the Lord speaks to you and he says, look, I, you really need to preach to the church and tell them, you know, don't panic, I got you. Well, then automatically my mind's thinking, well, if you're telling me not to panic, then there must be something that we need to panic over. Right? Do you all think like that? I mean, if the Lord says, uh, everything's going to be okay, Robert, don't panic, I'm like, it's all about to hit the fan. Is what you're telling me, but you got it. Hello? And so, so I, I, I'm, I'm like, okay, Lord, I really want to know this message because, boom, is this, you know, 
And so the first thing, you know, then he tells me, okay, listen, the first thing is don't worry. You've you got to get in. You've got to understand what worry is. Pray. Make your prayers. I'm here. I got you. Everything's going to let the peace of God. And so then he said, the second thing is simply this. You have to stop speaking curses over your life. Because of what Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, you've probably heard, if you've been around any, um, you know, church with any life in it, you've heard a message about the power of the tongue and speaking. There's a great book out that's called The Blessing and talks about, about your tongue and all. But I want to look at something just a little bit differently. I want to just look at one little point. Because something happened to me the other day, and and... And I'm healed of it, but God took me through a healing process because I was at a, I was at a doctor's office and, uh, and you know, I hate to reveal everything because I don't want the person who, who cursed me. But anyway, anyway, they were checking me out and my blood pressure was high that day. And uh, there was another person that came in that was not the doctor, not my normal person, another person that was practicing right there I should have caught that word and 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 I'm just going to tell you how it is because it's a great example and it's helped to help you and whoever the person is if they ever heard this repent uh so um this practicing person comes in and says to me you know well you know your blood pressure is going to hide it and oh well so what we're dealing with it and I said I feel really good and they said, but don't you understand? That's why they call it the silent killer. Now, the problem was at that moment, rather than having a godly thought, okay? And this is where your pastor's learning, okay? Rather than having a godly thought at that moment, the first thought that came up in my brain was punch him in the mouth. So then I knew I couldn't do that, so I had to work back down. And so then I felt very strongly that I should just shut up because there was nothing going to come out of my mouth at that moment. So I just stopped talking, quit looking at them, wouldn't answer any of their questions, did the silent treatment, just sat there till they walked out, okay? And, you know, I should have jumped up and said something like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, you foul devil from the pit of hell's bucket mouth, cause breaking curses over my life. And then I'd have got the upper hand, but I didn't do that. Anyway, but that bothered me because at that moment, I don't believe the person knowingly knew what they were doing, but at that moment, that word struck me like a, like a dagger, like, a, like, like I got shot with an arrow. And it kept going back over in my head. So every time I would check my blood pressure, I'd hear those words. It's the silent killer. And so I started, I, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I started rebuking it, you know, because I'm, I'm not a novice. I've been doing this for, you know, 40 years. And so I started rebuking it and said, no, no, listen to me. I'll, I'll beat you with my confession. I want to tell you something right now. My body is the temple of the living God. My body functions total perfection. God, you created me to function. When you made me in Genesis 1, 31, you, made, you said I was a good thing. And my good thing's got to function. So I'm talking like this to myself all the time. But I couldn't get rid of this stupid thing. It was like, like having a hangnail. Have you ever realized, you ever get a hangnail? Anybody here ever had a hangnail? 
Okay, it is a little bitty, tiny little piece of skin. It is, it is not, it's not deep. It's not cut into your skin. You're not going to, you shouldn't die of a hangnail. But it can be the most irritating little swine thing, right? Am I right? Put your hand in your pocket, it hangs, right? And so you're just like, this is, this, you, this, this little thing. And you're just walking around saying, I, I'm wounded, I can't even work. That's how that word was. It kept coming back to me. It's not killing me. I know it's not true. I've rebuked it. I don't believe it. I have, I have, I have spoken against it. But yet it's just a hangnail. It's just there. It just keeps bothering me. And I feel like the Lord told me today that some of you got the same issue. And so we're going to pray here in a minute. We're going to get delivered from that because I'm going to show you what the Lord told me to do. Okay? So you got to understand you have got to. What happens is a curse comes to you. It's spoken over you. Then if you receive it, it starts coming out of your mouth over you. You're speaking against yourself. You're, 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 you're being a cannibal. You're eating yourself. Are you all with me? So someone speaks a word to me. You're so speaks a word to you and say, you're so stupid. And then you say, no, I'm not. And then you go on. And then the next thing you know, you do something. You say, golly, I'm so stupid. Why do I do that? Now you're speaking the word curse over your own self. You're, you're cannibalizing yourself. You're stealing the life of God out of you. The devil has set this up in life. Sometimes these things happen and you don't even realize they're going on. And you just, you just do it to yourself. And while you're doing it to yourself, if death and life's in the power of the tongue, then you're using your tongue to kill you. You're cannibalizing yourself. Now James chapter 3 verse 2 says that if we can handle the tongue control the tongue, then you can control everything in life. Isn't that amazing? You can just keep your mouth. But how many of you even know it's kind of difficult sometimes to keep your mouth shut? So let me show you something here. Go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Matthew 12, 33. Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Now, when I... The very first time I read this, I was always very confused because I'm like, how do you make a tree good? Because the tree is going to be good by the root that it is. Y'all follow me? Or if you make the tree bad, how are you going to make a tree bad? If it was good, it's going to produce good. All right? He goes on. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So then he's saying here that what's down within your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. So if you listen to what comes out of your mouth, then you would know what's in your heart. Correct? That's a good sound deduction, wouldn't you say? If you listen to what comes out of your mouth, you'll find out what's down inside of your heart. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers preach on this message about idle words. And I've, I've heard every condemning message. I've heard every crazy message that, you know, I probably hadn't heard them all, but I've heard a lot of them, okay? And, and people talking about 
you know, uh, the idle words coming in your mouth. And so I was praying about this. I said, Lord, I really want to know this. I really want to put all this into context because you're talking about making a tree good. And then you come on down here and then you start talking about idle words. Don't seem to really line up. And then you're talking about the abundance of the heart. And, and, and can you explain it to me? So he started showing me this. The word idle word is the word argos, A-R-G-O-S. That's what it is in the Greek. And it means, listen, a lazy word, free from labor, at leisure, shunning labor, which one ought to perform. That's what the word means, idle. How many of you know if you, you have a tractor running and it's sitting there, you say, it's just sitting there, it's not working, you say it's, it's just idling, right? It's sitting there, just, it's running, but it's in idle. That's my thinking of idle. But the word actually means... Listen, it's lazy. It's not, it's not wanting to work. Okay, now here's another key. He says idle words. The word for word there, I always assumed was logos. Logos is the Greek word. It means the written word. It means all just the, 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 the black ink on white paper. It's words. Okay, that's logos. I assumed that meant logos, but then I looked it up, and it's not. It's rhema. So what the Lord's saying, the, a rhema word is a word that's a living word. It's a live word. It's something that you know to be truth. That's a rhema word. That's the difference between ink on paper. That's the difference between looking up there and seeing those words, but seeing those words, and it means something to you. It becomes a rhema. That's the simplest way I can explain it. Just sitting up there and you looking at them and read them, they're words. But... If you read them and it means something to you, then it's a rhema. So he's saying idle rhemas. In other words, idle, you're being idle with the things that you know to be true. You hear what I'm saying? You know you should pray, but you don't. That would be an idle word. You know God, whatever, wants to provide for you, but you won't ask him. That's an idle rhema. That's an idle word. That's a lazy revelation. Are you hearing me? So when then when Jesus, if you go back to Matthew there, when Jesus is saying about making the tree good, he's talking about a tree that's producing fruit is what he's saying. That means you're a tree that is speaking and making a declaration of what you really know to be true. That's going to make you a good tree. Are you following me? A bad tree producing bad fruit was you knowing you should say something, right? But not. Knowing God would do something, but not. Then that would be a lazy revelation. And so, therefore, it's a tree that you're causing to become bad and producing bad fruit. Does that make sense? It's the best revelation I've ever preached on that message. So you should get it. You're not going to find anybody else saying this. I'm telling you. This is fresh, hot off the stove from heaven. So what God's saying to you then, okay, the second point. Okay, so something's coming. He said, don't worry. Just get to checking yourself and seeing, are you using all your tools? Do you have any idle ramas over here? Oh, man, we forgot, we forgot to pray for so-and-so. 
you get quick to call somebody, you know, like you just start thinking about them that day, and you should call, I, I need to call so-and-so. And, and then you finally get around to doing it, and that person you find out is in trouble, and you pray for them, you're like, yes, pay dirt. That's not an idol, Rama. You follow what I'm saying, church? It's not some big, like, you, you, you saw the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse coming, and you understand what their colors are and what they mean. And I mean, some people are so far out there. All that stuff's great. You, you, you don't want to read about all that, but it's like, it's like watching a sci-fi movie. It ain't real. And, and you get through watching a sci-fi movie, what you just saw, it's not real. Well, when you get to talking about all that end-time stuff, that's all great, and it is real, and that will work. But I'm telling you what, did you just walk in love that day? Did you just pray that day? Did you just do the simplest thing that day? Right? I would a whole lot rather have a church full of people that knew that you, you, you knew who God was, you had a relationship with God, and, and you talked to your friends about God, and you invited people to your house, and you prayed over them, and you spoke, and when God quickened you, you did that. And, and that we have like a prayer chain that goes around that when people pray for them, people get healed, which we do. You see what I'm saying? I'd rather have a lot of that than you could have come be able to tell me the revelation of the colors of the four horsemen of the apocalypse and what they mean. Because I'm like, oh, well, the dudes are going to come somewhere, and I hope I'm in heaven before they get here, so don't worry about it. All right? So idle words are just idle rhemas that you're not using. Folks, I'm telling you, I've told you this and told you this and told you. Right here sitting in this room. Y'all, the knowledge you have about the Bible, about the workings of God and the way God will work and things, y'all right here have more knowledge than, than billions of people on the face of this earth. You do. Man, if you just know Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He's your Lord and Savior, and you know how to get saved, and you can lead somebody to the Lord. I'm telling you what, man, it's probably more than just one billion. It's two or three. And my goodness, then if you're willing to tell somebody and actually would evangelize somebody, now you're probably down to every, almost everybody in the world. Okay. Y'all don't seem to be excited about that. You're like, oh, well. Okay, so just to reemphasize this a little bit, James 2.19 it says, you believe that there is even one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Demons know that God exists. I mean, yeah, they were in heaven at one time where they got kicked out. Hello? So the apostle Paul says, that just because you believe there's a God, I mean, whoopee. The devils even believe that. That's what he's saying. He said, but do you, don't you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? You see, it's the same principle. Faith without works is dead. Faith, if you have faith in God, but you don't ever put it into practice, it's not going to produce anything. Those are the idle words he's talking about. Okay? Now, I'm going to go to number three. Yeah, I'm going to go to number three. And then I want to come back and we're going to pray here over number two. Because the third thing falls right into this thing. 2 Timothy 1.7, you know the scripture. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. The third thing you've got to do, okay? First thing is don't worry. Second thing is don't have idle words. Don't speak word curses over your life. And then the third thing is, is do not allow fear to control you. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. That's what it says. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Let's look at the, what he did give us. Power, love, and a sound mind. But yet the world, listen to me, I don't know if you're seeing this, like I'm seeing this, but I'm knowing people and I'm seeing people and I'm hearing, this is firsthand information. I'm not just like 
saw a, a, a reel on you know video. No, no, no. Uh, it's, people are people are consumed with fear right now. They're scared of sickness. They're scared of the economy. They're scared of everything, and they're they're gripped in fear, and they're they're not able to even function and move forward because they're afraid of everything. And it is a spirit. You got to understand something. It is a demonic spirit that's loosed on the earth. Why does he call it a spirit of fear? Hello. I want y'all to just. Notice this. This week, just look and observe. How many, if you, if you listen to the radio, any commercials, uh, if you're looking over, you, you know, anything on the, on the Internet or whatever, you're, Facebook or whatever you're looking at like that, just look to see how many of the things that come across you are based in fear. And you're going to find out it's about 99%. There was a commercial that kept coming on uh, about uh, shingles. And I, every time I'd see it, I'd rebuke it. I'd stand right in front of the television and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, you foul devil from the pit of hell. Because it was like there was a demonic attachment to this thing. Right? What do they do? They show you what it looks like, and then it's on there, and oh my God, and it's horrible. And you know, because they're ah, freaking out in pain. Oh, he's got it. And if you ever had this, you could get it. And then it's like, Oh, God, and you're just like, I need some of that. It's making you go in fear. Hello? Everything is based in fear. It's fear-based. The world's trying to get us to function and go forward in fear-based. What did they just do to us? Put the mask on your face so you'll get COVID. Fear-based. Stay home. Isolate yourself. Tape the doors down. Spray your groceries off. I'm serious, folks. Listen to me. you got to understand something. I'm not, a, I'm not a medical doctor. I am Dr. Richards, but it ain't medical doctor, okay? And, and, but I know a lot about animal husbandry, all right? I've been around animals my whole life. And I'm not talking a few sheep in the backyard. I've been around animals everywhere. And I know something about how animals get sick. And I've seen viruses. And I've seen, I, I've seen in our feedlots viruses go through and, and what takes place and how it works and how it's transmitted and what you're going to do. And the bottom line is, if you got it in one pin, you're going to get it in every one of them. You might as well be ready for it. Ain't no mask going to stop it. You wrap all the mask around a cow's nose, it ain't going to make no difference. They're going to come off all down there. You can change the drinking water. You can do anything. There's only, you know, just, it just ain't going to work. I just know it. You can't tell me you're going to go into any place anyway. That's just ridiculous. I'm just trying to say fear. Is what they say. You're going to get it. And then, listen, the next step that comes in is shame. Because then if you don't do it, well, then you're killing somebody. And so then, therefore, you're a murderer. And so then they're bringing around. So the second motivation is shame. Neither one of those are good. You cannot let fear control your life. You cannot be motivated and move forward in life based upon fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. If you're a born-again child of God, the Spirit of God is on the inside of you, and that is not a spirit of fear. It is a spirit of power. Everybody say power. Love and a sound mind. That means you don't have to be a whacked-out Christian. Fear always points to the worst outcome. God always declares a victory. Fear always paints the worst possible outcome. But God is always like, oh, there's a Red Sea. Yeah, it's just a Red Sea. I'm going to want you to part it. God likes to set up the hardest case scenario for a man 
and then just go and take care of it. Romans 8 and 11. Look at this. Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. What? 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 But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Oh, wait. You mean the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same Holy Spirit is in you? Well, if the Holy Spirit can resurrect a dead body, been crucified, whipped to the bones were showing, it was all tore to pieces, and he can resurrect that, I don't think you got much to worry about. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Right? John 10.10, the thief wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy but I have come that I might give you life and life more abundantly. Everything about God is life. It's not about death. It's about life. One of my favorite old books is called Adventures of John G. Lake. And it was a missionary in Africa during the plague. And they would, he would literally go and they would drop the froth that came off of people dying from the plague in Africa on to his hand, he'd put his hand under a microscope and tell the doctors to come watch. And he would begin to speak at it and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I just think you're going to die right now. And they would see the literal virus die in the palm of his hand. He one time sat down in a doctor's office and they hooked him up to electrodes. And they were trying to measure his, they thought there was something, something odd about his electric field or something because of what all the miracles that God did through him and they hooked him all up put him in there he said okay give me give me let me I'll quote a, a poem from Longfellow and so he starts quoting some poem some some poem and they start measuring all the ways and he's just talking and going through there and talking and going through then they're measuring it all out and they say okay he said, okay, y'all got your where you got your reading, you got your baseline? They said, yeah. He said, okay, now watch this. He said, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He started just to preach and just to speak the word of God out of his mouth and begin to pray and begin to talk to God. And needles were flying off the wall and they were all freaking out. Couldn't figure out what's wrong. He said, yeah, that is the power, the life of God on the inside of me that you're measuring. But we walk around and let the world tell us that we're nothing. We let the world tell us that we, we're easy. We're just a human like everybody else. You're not. You're an alien. Aliens are not coming. They are here. And it's you. So what do you mean? I'm, what do you mean I'm an alien? Yeah, you've been born again. Washed in the blood of Jesus and the spirit of the living God lives on the inside of you. And earth is not your home. And you don't need a spaceship to come and get you. You're going to fly. Well, rapture of the church says there's going to be a rapture and get caught up in the clouds. You've got to get from here to the cloud somehow. I mean, that depends on what the cloud coverage is that day. I mean, I guess it could be fog. I never thought about that. It's technically a cloud. Then you just may have a little jump. But I'm just seeing a clear day. I'm thinking a clear day, cloud bank at about 30,000 feet. And it's what you go. That's what's inside of you. So then why are we walking in fear? Why are we letting the world tell us what is and what isn't? Jesus said in Luke 17, 20, the kingdom is within you. 
That's what he said. Now, when, when he asked the Pharisees, when they're asking him, when's going to king, the kingdom of God would come? He answers, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Then say, see here and see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. It's in your midst. It's in your presence. It's right here. It's God. It's real. It's alive. It's life. And we're going to walk in fear. So you've got to challenge yourself here. You've got to challenge yourself, church. What is motivating you in life? What is moving you in life? Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing it in faith or are you doing it in fear? Because if you're doing it in fear, then quit. You're letting yourself be tormented by devils. Amen? Okay, so put your Bibles up. I've got another point and then 36 more after it, so... I want to pray for you today. I want to see you get victory today. I want to go back and talk about the word curses. Because what the Lord showed me to do was real simple. The first thing that I, first mistake I made, you see, I, I rebuked and I confessed and I stood against it. That was good. But the first thing I should have done was forgiven. And I didn't want to. You know, I mean, honestly, I wanted to get the horse whip out. Okay. And so the first thing I had, the, the Lord told me, that was good to stand against it. It was good to speak against it. It was good to say, no, the word of God says that. But the thing is, I, I didn't forgive. And so literally I could see this person in my mind and, and you know, the, the event taking place. I could see this person. I could see him standing there like a school marm looking down over me, you know, and saying this curse over me. And then the minute I began to say, Father, you know, because at first it was more like a, 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 in my mind's eye, I was seeing it like I'm in their face, like saying, you want a piece of me, and I'm like this close, all right? Kind of like, you know, like you see fighters going to a weigh-in, that's kind of the way it was. And so the moment I saw, the Lord showed me this, he said, man, you, you got to forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're just being a mouthpiece for the devil. And so I'm like, people ought to be smarter than that. They ought to train people better than that. Went through all my excuses, but it doesn't make any difference. I had to forgive them. Then all of a sudden, the image in my mind started changing. I started seeing them getting vague, opaque, like the Lord was whitewashing them out of the image in my mind. I was seeing them disappear. And then it was like it, was like it, like it didn't just go, it was gone. And I was like, come on, Lord, what's up? Why, 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 I, I, I'm forgiving him. He said, come on, let's get real honest, are you? Have you really? I'm like, if you saw that person again, would you say hello to them? Would you pray for them? And I'm like, well, there's no need to take it that far. I mean, I'm just at the point right now, I'm not going to horse whip them. And he's like, that's where you got to go. And the moment I said, okay, I'm going to pray for them right now, I'll just pray for them. And I started praying for him. The moment I did that, then it was just like, it was gone. That person was not standing there anymore, and the curse wasn't in my ears anymore. But I had to forgive. So what I want to do right now, I want to just, oh, let's just all stand up. And let's just take a moment here. Let's just take a moment here. And you know if, if some incident is brought up into your thinking right now, from hearing this word, that's what the Holy Ghost wants you to deal with, okay? So that's, 
if you're just blank, if you're just a big blank right now in your head, well, then I guess you're okay. <clears throat> or do you really need prayer? <laughs> but if there's some incident that's happened to you in life right now that as I preach this is popping up in your thoughts, that was a word curse over your life. Someone spoke something ill over you. I want you just to take it. And I want you just to, to say, Lord, yeah, that's it. I see it. Acknowledge it. Maybe a whole list of them. You may have a room full. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for just revealing it to us all. Now, I, I want to just challenge you to begin to forgive them and release them. I'm going to pray a general prayer right now, but you've got to, you've got to turn loose of it. Father, I just pray over every person right now that they'd be able to turn loose of it. To not hate that person, hate that event. That what's tied into their heart, what may have been there for years, what may have been down deep inside of them, that's festered for years, Lord God, it's caused them to curse themselves, caused them to curse other people, all because of a curse spoken over them. Now, Lord, I just call upon the Spirit of the living God. And I thank you, Lord God, that according to Luke 4 and 18, you said the Spirit of the Lord is here to set the captives free. So those that have been held captive in word curses, I thank you right now for setting them free. That as they forgive, that person vanishes from their thoughts, that curse vanishes from their body, that chain is broken, that yoke is broken, that stronghold is destroyed. And it's, it, it, it literally just flies out of them, Lord, and sets them free. No longer will they ever hear that word spoken over them. No longer will they ever have that wound. Lord, if that wound has created an infection in other places in their life, I thank you for healing the whole thing up. I thank you for doing a miraculous work right now in Jesus' name. I believe you, Holy Spirit, for just all those wounds healed. The brokenhearted healed, mended. As we do our part, Lord, I thank you, you do yours. And Lord, I rebuke every lying word, every lying demonic spirit that's ever come upon these people. Ever lied to them, said anything to them. I rebuke the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. That's tried to come in there and get people to operate by fear, not by faith. I just declare, Lord God, we're not going to live this year operating in fear. That people are delivered and set free right now in Jesus' name. We will we'll laugh in the face of fear. When other people get fearful, when other people go running down the street pulling their hair, we're going to be full of faith. We're going to be the people of faith that you've always looked for and you always called upon, Lord God. We're going to rest in you. Rest in that anointing. Rest in that grace. Rest in that peace. And Lord, be able to say, okay, Holy Ghost, you got it. You got it. So I declare, Lord, right now, all strongholds of fear are broken in Jesus' name. The Lord God, we're going to see things so differently. So differently. Because we see things through the eyes of faith. So, Lord, I praise you for that right now. And I thank you for it. Lord, I ask you to bless this congregation. Lord, this, 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 put your hand upon them. Minister to them, bless them. 
Lord, this, this week they're talking about cold weather, freezing, this, that, and the other. I think you through it all, the warmth of the God is going to glow right out of our hearts. Lord, and I thank you that they're a blessed people. They're blessed in everything they do. They're blessed in everything they put their hands to. They prosper, Lord God, because that's what you want for us. And so today, Lord, I just thank you for it. Blessing them exceedingly and abundantly more than they could ever think or ask. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now everybody say, I'm free. Look at the person beside you and say, you're free. Come on, look at the person on the other side of him and say, you're free too. <laughs> amen. So you be blessed. Hey, let me have a few prayer team people come down here and just in case anybody else needs prayer, you want anything, listen to me. Go out. Tell the world the good news about Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you, church.